Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. So as uh, you know, if you've been recently, we've been going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and um, we are closing out chapter six today. The whole the title of this whole sermon series has been Seek First the Kingdom of God, and we're finally getting to the verse that says that. Uh, so we'll talk about that today. Now, this is admittedly for myself and for most people a somewhat difficult passage to uh, unpack and to talk about because on the surface, it seems like kind of an unrealistic expectation to not be anxious um, about anything ever. Um, so we're going to read the passage first, and then we'll start working through it uh, and talk about what it, what it means for us as Christians. So if you have your Bible, phone, or on the screen, we'll be reading Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So in 1961, April the 12th, 1961, a Russian cosmonaut named Yuri Gagarin became the first person to ever go into space. Um, now, lots of people have been into space, been to the moon, done all kinds of stuff. People live in space for months at a time now on the space station. But you got to imagine being the first person ever to go into space had to be pretty scary. Um, you're talking about the unknown almost on a whole another level. First guy to climb the peak of Everest. I mean, he's the first guy to ever get there, but at least from the ground, he could see it. Uh, but the first guy to ever go into space is a pretty big deal. But to me, the craziest thing about his mission, uh, Yuri didn't actually do almost anything. Uh, the ship was completely controlled either by computers on board or by ground control on Earth. He basically sat in the spacecraft and went for a ride like he would at an amusement park. To some people, this may be comforting, but to me, it would make me extremely paranoid. I, like most humans, like to be in control. Um, I don't mind driving a car at all. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't scare me, but I don't like horses, and I don't ride horses. Horses have brains, and that bothers me. A car I'm in complete control of, but a horse thinks, a horse feels, a horse gets scared, and I don't like that. There's probably someone out there today who's a big horse lover. Like, oh, no, they're great. Sure. Just wait until he changes his mind and decides to do what he wants to do. Well, people like being in control. And Yuri was completely just like giving his life into the hands of the people on the ground and the computers on board his spacecraft. 
If you think about it, it's kind of crazy, but this is a lot like our life as Christians. We are not in control of our own lives. While Yuri went into the great unknown of space, we go into the great unknown of the future every single day, and we are not in control. God is. We are almost like sitting in a spacecraft just going along for the ride. Automatic controls. God is in control, and we are not doing anything except going along for the ride. So it kind of asks the questions of if God's in control of everything, why do we worry and why do we have anxiety? And this scripture tells us at the very beginning to not be anxious and to not worry about things. But is that the expectation that God has on our lives that we will never be anxious or worry about anything? Is that a realistic expectation? If you think about it, if you're walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden a dog starts chasing you and you run away from him as fast as you can, jump over a fence into someone's yard to seek refuge and you survive this attack and you think, oh man, I'm such a sinner. I was really anxious while that dog was chasing me. Doesn't seem very realistic, does it? So what we actually need to do in this passage is kind of work backwards. We need to start at verse 33 and see how that impacts everything that comes along with it. Verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things being added to you is talking about the food, the drink, the clothing, the basic necessities of life that he tells you not to be anxious about. And it's not that he's saying don't worry at all about having food, about having water, about having clothing. He's saying that you seek first the things of God, your spiritual health. You seek first the kingdom of God, and then you can concern yourselves with those things. If you took this passage as an extremely literal reading, you could go home, sit in the middle of your living room floor, never move, and say, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to earn money. I'm not going to buy food. I'm not, I'm, because this scripture clearly tells me that God will just give it to me. Just send it down from heaven, beam of light, new clothes, and a meal every few hours. And that's not, that's not reality. Even in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the apostle Paul says that someone who doesn't provide for their family is worse than an unbeliever. It's an extremely strong statement. So obviously, God has this expectation that as we live on this earth, that we do provide ourselves with the necessities of life. So the passage is not about saying like, you know what, I'm starving, but I'm not even going to go to work, make a paycheck and buy groceries because God will provide. That's not what it's about. The issue is not worry. The issue is priority. What is your priority? What comes first? The scripture tells us that the kingdom of God has to come first. So we want to establish at the very beginning that, that worry and anxiety in itself is not sinful. And the example that I want to give to you is that the perfect, holy son of God who never sinned in his entire life on earth was anxious. In Luke chapter 22, verses 42 through 44, Jesus is praying in the garden the night that he's going to be arrested. And Jesus knows what's coming. Crucifixion is, is very near and he knows it's coming. And he says to God, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So we see here that, that Jesus is experiencing great anxiety over his impending crucifixion. And who wouldn't? Jesus knows good and well what is coming in his future. And he prays, 
And this is a good example of how we are to approach situations in our life that cause anxiety. He says, if you're willing to remove this cup from me, please do. But if not, let your will be done. When things happen to us in our lives that are difficult, whether it be sickness, financial difficulty, family difficulties, whatever it is, you can pray to God, please take this from me, take this burden away from me. But if you don't, let your will be done. Even further, we see that an angel comes to Jesus after he prays and it strengthens him. And you think, oh, after the angel comes and strengthens Jesus, I'm sure he just was completely relaxed and wasn't worried anymore. But no, it says that being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly that his sweat became like drops of blood. So when we see this, we see that worry is not the problem and anxiety is not the issue. If you have like a medical test done and the doctors find something concerning, they're like, we'll call you next Tuesday and let you know what the results are. It is completely natural to be anxious about finding those results. The issue is that you're going to trust God in that situation. So like we said, the issue is not worry. It's priority. It's putting God's kingdom first in your life. In the Old Testament, we see a term used a lot of times, and it's first fruits, to give your first fruits. Uh, And in this Old Testament culture, it was a very literal agricultural concept that God required them to get in their sacrifices to give their first fruit. So imagine you had like a grove of fig trees or fig bushes. I actually don't know which one they grow on. Someone can correct me later. But it supplies your food for the year. And by the time you get to the next year and they're about to start producing fruit, you really need them. You know, you've ate all the figs for the year. And they start producing fruits. So what would be the human nature thing to do would be to get the first figs and store them up because you obviously need them. But God called the people to give those. Same way with with, um, animals like goats and sheep. When they had their first babies of the spring, God asked for those to give the very first things they have. And it was an issue of trusting God. Because he was saying, if you give me your first fruits, if you give me your first lamb, if you give me your first uh, figs, you have to trust that after you give me those, I'm going to provide the rest. So you seek God first, and then he provides for you. So are you willing to go into the unknown for God's will? Like Yuri went into space unknown, completely uh, just, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Will you go into the unknown of the future for God's will, trusting him to take care of you. Verse 32 says, the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So the things in life that cause anxiety and cause us worry, God knows you need them. Those basic things God knows you need and you have to trust him to provide them. So when we go into our future, we, we want to be in control and we want to know what it holds, but that's just not the way it works. It is a great unknown, but at least God is with us. In Genesis chapter 12, Verse one, God is calling Abraham and he says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. It's been one of my favorite verses for a long time because he calls Abraham to leave his family and leave everything he knows. And he doesn't tell him where he's going. He just says, go. He says, I'll show you later. So if Abraham's like, oh, okay, Lord, I will follow you. But where are we going? He says, don't worry, I'll show you. In Acts chapter eight, verse 26 It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So an angel appears to Philip and tells him to go to this place, but he doesn't even tell him why. He just says, go, and Philip goes. Philip ends up finding the Ethiopian eunuch reading the scroll of 
Isaiah explains it to him, and the, and the man is baptized. But he goes without knowing what he's going to do. Abraham leaves without knowing where he's going. Philip leaves without knowing what he's going to do. And that's what we're called to do is to go into this future, trusting God to be with us. One thing about the Christian life that is true and that we must understand, there's a lot of prosperity gospel in the world that wants to make people think that if you follow Jesus with your life, everything will be easy. And we've talked extensively throughout this sermon series that that is not the case. We live in a sinful, broken world, and the bad things of this world happen to everybody that's in this world. Christians die in natural disasters. Christians are murdered. Christians lose children. Christians lose jobs. Christians get diseases. That's the reality of the world that we live in. And we have to know that difficult situations can happen to us. Can you imagine how easy evangelism would be if it was the opposite? If you could go to people and be like, look, if you follow Jesus, literally nothing bad will ever happen to you again. It would be the easiest. Like this, we would, we would have to have stadiums to hold everybody that came to know Jesus. But that's not the way it works. We're called to be faithful even when it's hard. We will have difficult situations in our life, and we have to trust that God is going to be with us in those. So when you go into difficult situations in your life, things that cause anxiety and worry, do you go into those situations trusting that God will be with you? In Genesis chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Jacob was scared to go back to his homeland. Esau was potentially going to kill him, so he had heard, but, but God tells him, I will be with you. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, the calling of Moses, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him to free his people. Moses makes a million excuses and says, I can't do that. There's no way. And God says, I will surely be with you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. And most Bible scholars think that Jeremiah was about 14, 13 or 14 years old when he's called to be a prophet of the Lord. Because when he tells him, he says, you're going to go to the kings, you're going to give them my word. Jeremiah says, I can't do this, I am but a youth. I'm just a kid. How can I possibly go before kings and say these things? And God says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then my favorite example of God telling us that he's going to be with us is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. We all know it as the Great Commission. Jesus told his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is one of the greatest things to me that Jesus says in his word because he has, he's about to leave earth for good this time until he comes back again for a while, let's say that. But he's about to leave his disciples and he wants to say one more thing to them. And the last thing he wants to tell them is, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the issue we see here earlier, we said it's not worry, it's priority. The issue is also not worry, it's trust. It's trusting that God's going to be with us. He tells us in his word over and over again that he is going to be with us. There's an old hymn. I, I quoted an old hymn last week too, but there's another one called The Nail-Scarred Hands. And it says, are you walking alone through the shadows dim? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. We all have a choice in this life when we go through tough times. We can do it by ourselves or we can do it trusting Jesus. I heard someone say before, you can either go through it alone or you can do it holding on to the nail-scarred hand. It's your choice. Do you trust Jesus to go with you through those situations? Do you let him comfort you and protect you 
when life gets hard, or do you try to go about it alone? Do you try to go through the darkness without the light of Christ? So the issue we want to talk about primarily today is trusting God. And what can we trust in? We can trust in God's promises. God's promises are perfect and they do not fail. In the last song we sang today uh, before scripture reading, it said words of power that cannot fail. God's word does not fail. So before we talk about some of God's specific promises to us, promises that can help us not be anxious, not worry, and help us trust him, there's a couple of things we want to say about God's promises. The first thing comes from Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will not do it, or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? We see that God is not a man. He does not lie and he doesn't change his mind. When God makes promises to us in Scripture, he means them and he will do exactly what he said he was going to do. So when you read a promise of God in Scripture, you know that he's going to do what he says. And then in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it says it is impossible for God to lie. So when you read in Scripture a promise of God to you that he's going to take care of you and help you through life, it is without fail, he's going to do what he said. So now I want to go through some of God's promises to us and talk about how they can help us in life, make us feel better with worry and anxiety. And one thing I want to say is this is nowhere near being an exhaustive list because God's word is full of promises. It would take like a six-month sermon series to talk about all of God's promises from the beginning of the Bible to the end. This is just a small collection of them uh, that really apply to the message we have today. So the first one we want to talk about is that God is available to us. God promises to be available to us. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 4.29, he says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So it says, if you look for God, you will find him. He's there. He doesn't hide from us when life is hard and things aren't going well. Do things... Do you have to like really look and try to find where God is? You don't. He's there for you. But in Revelation, Jesus takes it a whole nother level. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you. I'm knocking on the door, just waiting on you to open it and accept me. God is always there for us when we need him. We don't have to look around and wonder, where is God? He is with us. And life will throw really bad things at you. And you may wonder sometimes, like, where is God in this situation? But Scripture tells us He is there and He is with you. And you can take comfort in that. The second promise we want to look at is that God will protect us. God will protect us. We read Psalm 121 today in our Scripture reading. I'm going to reread the last two verses of that. It says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So knowing that God will protect us helps us go through our life. But as we talked about earlier, the world is a hard place and bad things happen to people no matter who they are. God will protect you doesn't mean that you go through life. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. If you walk out into traffic, all the cars will magically swerve around you. That's not what it means. But God is protecting you so often when you don't even realize it. We don't know how often God is taking care of us. And when, 
you, that's the kind of the great unknown of this is you never know what could have happened to you if God wasn't protecting you. God has a hedge of protection around you and your life is protected as a Christian in so many ways that you may never realize. We may have had sicknesses that we never realized we had and were healed from those. We may have narrowly avoided a disaster by being a little bit late or by being a little bit early. We never know how God is protecting us, but his word tells us that he does, that he keeps us safe. The third thing we want to talk about is all things work for our ultimate good. Romans 8.28 is one of the most important like single verses of scripture, in my opinion, to the Christian and for figuring out how to handle life and how to make sense of all of this, the badness in the world. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is such a reassuring verse because we know that God is sovereign over everything and that nothing can happen without him allowing it to happen. And it tells us that no matter what happens in our lives, it's all working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything in this world, even the bad things, are working for our eventual good. It doesn't mean that the now isn't going to be hard. The right now might be difficult, but the future is going to be beautiful, and everything is working towards that end. Life is going to be hard for us so often. And so often we're going to wonder, why, is the, why are these things happening? But you can always go to this verse and be reassured that despite the trouble and the suffering, everything is working for our eventual good. There will be just glory in heaven and eternity for us one day as everything works towards that end. One of the greatest things about having the Bible is having the ends, knowing how it all ends. Spoiler alert, we win. And we're all working towards that goal. So the fourth promise that God gives us is that he will comfort us. God will comfort us in our affliction and in our hard times. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The word comfort showed up a lot of times in those two verses. But God is there to comfort us. This is another situation kind of like when you go through suffering, you can either do it alone or you can do it with God. God will comfort you in affliction when things are not going well. Find comfort in God. He will stay there with you. In the book of Job, his buddies all get a really bad reputation because they just say all kinds of crazy stuff to him. And uh, But it, culturally appropriate at the time, they, they did think that uh, sin was the reason why bad things happened. But anyway... I've always given them a little more credit because when he's sitting there suffering and, you know, ashes on his head and sackcloth, they come and just sit around with him. It says in the early in the book that they just sat there with him, didn't say anything. They just were there to comfort him. God does that with us. He's always there to comfort us. When things are not going well, you can find comfort in God. It says he comforts us in all of our affliction. You can take your tough situation that causes you anxiety and worry and you can think about how bad it is without God, or you can think about how much better it will be with God. Trust his promises. These things we're talking about, let them comfort you. Be comforted by the fact that you know his presence is with you, that you know he protects you, and that you know that all those things are working for good. Be comforted by God's promises and knowing that his word is true. 
The fifth promise I want to talk about is God promises peace of mind. God promises peace of mind. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful scripture also. It tells us that God wants us to let our requests be made known to him. God knows there's going to be things in our lives that we need. God knows there's going to be things in our lives that cause worry and anxiety. He knows that and he wants you to tell him. He wants you to come to him with those things and cry out to him and ask him for help and for comfort and for peace. That's what he wants. And it says, after you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Praying, taking your sufferings and your concerns to God afterwards, you can have peace knowing that God heard you and that God loves you. God is good and everything he does is good and God loves you. Those two truths can comfort you in so many situations and give you peace of mind during those times. The sixth thing we want to talk about is that God promises us rest. Sometimes it feels like in life, you never get a break. You never get a chance to just take a breath. Life is always coming at you and you just feel tired. Not always just physically tired, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually worn out. But in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling you that you're, you're carrying this burden of life on your own, and it's heavy and it's weighing you down. It's too heavy for you. You're small and you're going and you're trying. You remember in the Grinch movie when the oldest one, like the cartoon, when the Grinch rides that little dog, he's like really big and he has that huge bag, so he tries to ride the little big dog. That's life. That's, that's you buried under the burdens of life, too small, too weak to carry them. And Jesus tells you to come and put that burden on me because I can take it and I will give you rest. We talked about these, these promises from God and that his word never fails. When Jesus says things like, I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls, it is 100% true. He cannot lie and he cannot mislead. When you go to Jesus, you can find rest for your heart, your sufferings, the things that are just pulling at you, the anxieties and the worries. If you go to Jesus, give them to him. He will give you rest. He will let you just breathe and relax and feel like, okay, I've done what I can do. It's in God's hands. To close out, we want to reread the last couple of verses of this passage and talk about them for a second. 33 and 34 say, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In our small groups, we've been going through the book of James, as you all know. And uh, recently we talked about part of the book of James when he says basically that you're arrogant if you plan for tomorrow. We talked about how planning in itself is not a problem, but it's saying that you don't know if you're even going to live tomorrow. Why are you so worried about it? And we know that in Scripture, using the word tomorrow isn't just talking about the next 24 hours, but just the future in general. When you plan for the future, it's kind of an act of arrogance. It's a way of saying, well, of course, I'm going to plan for the next five years. I'll be alive. And James is saying, hey, 
Who knows? Maybe you will, maybe you won't be. He says it's arrogant to think about tomorrow. And we see this in verse 27 of our scripture today. It says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? The span of your life is already set in stone. God established that before the world was even created. And by being anxious and by worrying all the time about things, you can't add a single hour to the span of your life. Some translations say you can't make yourself any taller. Uh, that's a little bit harder to understand. But I like this translation ESV says you can't make your life any longer by worrying. So what we can establish from these scriptures today are several different things, but no, you don't have to feel like some subpar, terrible Christian disciple of Christ because you worry on occasion. It's going to happen to all of us. We looked at an example where even Jesus was anxious about impending suffering. That's not the problem. The problem is when you worry about your life and you're anxious about your life to the point where God's kingdom and his work and your relationship with him falls way down on the priority list. You worry about making sure you're full of food, water, clothing, insurance, retirement, all the things that make you secure and to have security in the future. That's what you're thinking about first. You know, next thing you know, you've got like a lot of money stored up in a retirement account. You're old. You're going to be good for the rest of your life. Like, oh, now I can worry about God's kingdom, my relationship with him. That's not what he calls us to do. He says to seek his kingdom first. Worry about your relationship with him first. Obey God first and worry about those other things later. The scripture tells us that he knows we need those things and he will give them to us. And finally, it just closes out by saying, what is even the point in worrying because it adds nothing to your life? So as you go about your life, remember, there are a lot of things in this world that will cause us anxiety, will cause us worry. It's impossible for us not to be anxious about certain things. And once you become a parent or something like that, you will be worried about other people more than yourself. But remember that God gave us a book full of promises to lean on. We can lean into him with all of our worries and anxieties, knowing that what he tells us is true. Just take comfort in that. And anytime you have these anxious moments, you're worried about your life, you're worried about all these things, lean into him and trust him to get you through those things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the day you've given us, Lord, this opportunity that you uh, gave us to come together and worship, praise you, Lord, sing songs to you, uh, dig into your word, Lord, pray for each other. Uh, Lord, just celebrate the things that you're doing in the world, Lord. We just ask that every week um, you remind us that this is just a celebration of what you're doing uh, the other days. Uh, we don't live as people of the world for six days and then become Christians on Sunday, Lord. Uh, we are to live out your kingdom work all week and then come here on Sunday and celebrate that, Lord. God, we ask that you to be with us as we go through this coming week and help us just to be light in the darkness, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.